0: Welcome to the City Baptist Church podcast, where we are passionate about sharing the life-changing message of Jesus with Vancouver and beyond. Today's podcast is from our special teaching series, Simple Christmas, where in the midst of all the busyness and chaos of the holiday season, we are taking the time to refocus on the simple truths found in the birth of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so we're going to finish today uh, our, our message from Simple Christmas, and uh, really what the idea of the series is, is, is just basically, it's just to talk about some simple truths in the season. It gets so busy, there's so many distractions, so many things going on, and so we're just sort of rolling it back a little bit. And... Uh, and uh, looking at some simple thoughts. The first week we talked about hope. Last week we started um, and talking all about the idea of just worship. And so we're going to continue that thought this morning. I'll give you a little bit of a review uh, just to catch you up in case you weren't here last week or didn't have a chance to listen to it. Um, But basically we're just looking at the idea of worshiping the Savior. You know, uh, so many people today, if I was to say here in church, if I was to say, what's the most important part about Christmas, you'd say worshiping Jesus. And I realized that. Um, and so many people, we know that in our head and cerebrally, we, we understand that we're to be worshiping the Lord during this time, but we often struggle with it. And I think there's many different reasons for it. Sometimes it's just, uh, we aren't really sure how to do it. Maybe no one's ever taught you how or what does it look like to really worship the Lord. And so last week we started a a bit of a journey uh, in our message to see and know what it looks like to actually worship Jesus Christ. And I want to begin again by just giving you the simple definitions that we looked at last week. And the idea of worship comes from uh, originally from the uh, uh, compound word of worth. And ship, meaning a vessel of great value. It's something that we give uh, value to. By a, a larger definition, is reverence offered a divine being or supernatural power? An act of expressing such reverence. That's really how we understand it today and know it today. But the whole idea about worship is this: giving worth to Jesus Christ, giving him worth, putting him at a at a higher place in our lives, putting him in a place where he should be. Right? Not something that we pull out and dust off, you know, on the weekend. Uh, but putting Jesus Christ at the forefront of our lives, the forefront of our minds, giving him worth. And so that's what uh, we're talking about. And, and we're following the story of the wise men, the magi in Matthew chapter number two. And that's what we're talking about. We're, we're looking at uh, these men and how they were led on a supernatural journey. You cannot deny the fact that God led those dudes <laughs> all the way to Jerusalem and ultimately to Bethlehem in a supernatural way. They had such limited information. Like we talked about last week, they possibly had some prophecies of a guy by the name of Balaam. We see in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 24. And then they would have maybe cross-referenced that with some of the things that Daniel would have referenced in his prophecies. And combining those two together, they would have figured out that something was gonna take place. (laughs) Something was gonna happen. There was gonna be a star that they should look for. And so these men, these wise men who, who knew a lot of things, saw the star. And so they headed off in a journey And what we see in their journey is six different thoughts on worship. So how many of you remember all three points from last week? All right, one person. Okay, so I'll just tell you again real quick here. We'll give you a quick review, and that's great. So the first thing that we saw in Matthew chapter 2, in uh, verse number 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, it says, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Point number 1 we looked at last week is that if we're going to worship God, it has to start with a sincere heart. Now these men, uh, when they had this information, the one thing that we see in here is that they put great effort to get to Jerusalem. It was a a huge trip for them. If they came from Babylon, which is what most people believe uh, where they came from, I mean, this is not an insignificant journey. This is a big deal. It would have cost a lot of money. It would have taken a lot of time. We're talking a year, year and a half after Jesus was actually born. And they went to great effort, and no one goes to great effort without great sincerity. And that's what we see here is that if we're going to truly worship the Lord, then there has to be an element of our heart uh, that is sincere enough to drive us to pursue him in this area of worship, of giving him worth. And so we looked at that, and obviously we unpacked it quite a bit more last week. You can listen to the recording. It's on on the website. Um, But we need to start with a sincere heart. And then the next thing we saw was that you need to maintain an expectant spirit. I love verse number two where when they got to Jerusalem, now they went to Jerusalem, right? Because they knew a king was gonna be born. They knew that uh, it was gonna be in Israel. Uh, Daniel had mentioned the the city of Jerusalem. Uh, They did not have the prophecies of Micah. And so they wouldn't have known to look for Bethlehem specifically. And so they think, okay, a king's gonna be born. There's a star in that direction. It's gotta be Jerusalem. So they go to Jerusalem. And guess what? They go to the king. And what I, I love what they say when they get there is they're like, hey, where is the king of the Jews? That's what they say. They're just like, where is he? We've come to worship him. The point I, I wanted us to see last week is that we need to have an expectant spirit for something. You know, when it comes to our time here at church, do, are you expectant? Are you expecting God to be here? Are you expecting God to work? When you open up your, your Bible and your personal devotions, do you just sort of put it down and be like, okay, what's my schedule for today? Or do you come to it saying, man, Lord, you're going you're gonna to show up today. You're going to teach me something. You're going to show me something. It's such a great mind shift uh, to have uh, as believers that when we come to church and we come to our personal time where we're like, okay, I expect God to teach me something. I expect God to show up. And that's what we see. They come and they say, hey, where is he? We know he's around here somewhere. Show us. Where is he at? Where are you hiding him? Where is this king? Because we have come to worship him. The other thing we saw in, in the passage, if you go down through verse 3 and 4 and 5 and 6, uh, we see different attitudes when it comes to worship. But we, we see that these guys, uh, the wise men, they had an expectant attitude. They're like, okay, you know, God's going to teach me something. But then we see Herod resist it. Now, he had a resistant attitude. And then we saw the priests and scribes, you remember? When uh, Herod, he said to the scribes, hey, guys, come here and tell me, what are these guys talking about? The, the priests and the scribes, I, I just, it, to me, let's read it. Okay, let's read it. This is just, again, I just get so mind-boggled when I read it. look look at verse four it says when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes this is king herod of the people together he demanded of them where christ should be born so they said where is this king of the jews where is the messiah where's the christ and uh and then herod says get some priests and scribes over here hey where is he supposed to be born and look what they say and they said unto him in bethlehem of judea for thus it is written by the prophet and thou, Bethlehem, they're quoting Micah 5:2, in the land of Judah uh, art not uh, the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. Okay, here's what I want you to get: these guys knew, they knew. You would think right that if if people from the east came and they traveled all this way and they said we saw a star and we know that a king is to be born and we are here to worship him you would have think they said oh yeah you're here now but i'm gonna get there first because i know where he is you know and like taking off you know on a donkey full speed like come on we're going to bethlehem to see that he had been born but they're just like oh yeah he's gonna be born in bethlehem they didn't they didn't even go they didn't even care to me they were indifferent to this idea of worship and that's what happens sometimes when it comes to this idea of worship we are either expectant resistant or we're indifferent towards it and so often the longer we are as christians the easier it gets to become indifferent to worship to become indifferent to lifting up jesus christ indifferent to the things that god is trying to show us in our lives and so we've got to have that expectant spirit and so that was point number uh, two that we saw and uh, I wasn't planning to preach this much on those first two, okay? Let's keep moving here. Number three, we looked at we need to choose to express joy. And so uh, in the following verse there in 9 and 10, the men, uh, as they headed towards Bethlehem, as they headed out of Jerusalem, the star that they had been following, apparently it had, it had disappeared or was not there anymore, but it appeared again. And when that sign from God appeared again, it says that they went on their way and it says that they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. That's the idea of something that's overflowing, something that's visible. They were visibly joyful over what God was doing. And so for us as Christians, when it comes to our worship, there's going to be times in our worship where we can express joy. And guess what? It's totally okay. It's all right for us to express joy, and it comes in different ways, and we talked about last week that it's not to be fake, right? It's not to be a learned response. Like, I saw this person do this, and so therefore I'm going to express my worship in this way because they did it, right? It's not a learned thing. It's not a a mob mentality. For all of us, it's, it's individual, and we talked about last week, for some people, it may be, uh, you know, I mean, saying amen. Christian, he says amen. You heard him say amen a minute ago? Say it again. It was good. Amen. All right, good. So for Christian, he's got the joy of the Lord. He says, man, amen. That's great. You know, for, for some of you, you just might go like this. That is, that is overflowing, expressive joy for you. I mean, it took all of you, it took everything in your being to be like, I hope no one sees this. You know? And, and, uh, and guess what? that's great. That's how God created you, and that's okay. It's not about us trying to fit some sort of mold, you know, and we try to emulate one another. Um, it's just about, there's going to be a joy that comes out. I think, first of all, when it comes to expressing joy, it should be seen on your face. Amen. You know, if you ever met a Christian who just loves the Lord, and, and, and you're like, something I can just tell they love the Lord. It's genuine, right? Genuine, not fake, right? <laughs> right? I and mean, genuine, it's a real thing. And so there's an expression of joy that comes from a heart of true worship. And if you've never been to that place in your life, can I encourage you to really pursue the Lord till you experience that? Experience that joy that just, man, I just, I can't help but tell somebody. I can't help but express what God is doing in my life. So often we become so uh, so indifferent. I really believe that's where the disconnect is. We become indifferent, become so calloused to the things of God. We become so... Um, So I don't know. The reserved is not the term because it's okay to be reserved. It's a good thing. But you know what I'm saying? We just become so just stoic when it comes to the things of God. And listen, God working in our life, worship does something to you. It does something to you. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. Because it, it, it brings a light to the world that is so dark and is seen through joy in worshiping Jesus Christ. And so that was the first three points from last week. And I told you I had six total. So we're going to do three more today uh, on this idea of worship and following these wise men and, and what, uh, what they teach us about worship. All right. So number four this morning, let's get into it. Number four, um, and, and you're going to have to see here that it takes a decision to humble yourself. That's a key word to this point. You need to decide to humble yourself. When it comes to worship, there is a definite decision. There is a moment where you like, I need to humble myself before almighty God. I want you to see here in verse number 11 of our passage, it says, and when they were come t- into the house, notice it didn't say stable. So that just totally wrecks your nativity scene right there. I'm sorry, but uh, just say so you no. Know, when it came to the house, when they came to the house, this was sometime later, look what it says. They saw the young child, not babe. All uh, right, well, enough with that. You guys know, I think you know, okay. <laughs> saw the young child with Mary, his mother, look what happened, and fell down and worshipped him, and fell down and worshipped him. Now for us, we've become so attuned to the idea and you see all these little cartoons or drawings or whatever it may be, you know, of what this would have looked like. But I can't even imagine, imagine the intimidation that Mary must have gone through. Think about, I mean, these are are essentially kings. These are very, very important people. And they would have shown up with an entourage. They would have showed up with, you know, their animals. And I mean, they would have been dressed impeccably and very wealthy and all of that. And they came into the house and I don't know, she thought like, are you arresting me? Like what is happening here? But they came and they fell down. They fell down and they began to worship this child, Jesus Christ. What a moment to experience that. Think about it. I mean, I was trying to think of today, like today, you know, uh, it's kind I, I of, don't, I don't know, like people don't necessarily dress so much to represent their position anymore as it used to be. But, uh, you know, think of, uh, uh, you know, we think of the queen or, you know, or uh, queen of England, you know, come into your home. I mean, I'd be panicked, by the way. First of all, I know she'd be like, that's terrible, you know, and she'd be picking at my house or whatever. But for her to come in and to, to, to humble herself in that way, and it's, it's hard to relate to this, I understand. But, but this is a big deal. For her to humble herself. To, to come into their home. And the reason that they did that and the reason they fell to the ground and the reason they humbled themselves is because they recognized that they were in the presence of someone far greater than themselves. Someone far more powerful than themselves. They knew that Jesus was something greater than just an earthly king. They recognized the importance of Jesus Christ. And the question is, is when you come to a time of worship, when you're personally or corporately in a time of worship, do you recognize the importance of the one we worship? Do you recognize the importance? We live in such an inwardly focused, uh, you know, selfie, get mine, me time society, don't we? It's all about us. It used to be, uh, even even 20 years ago, that people would at least put on a sense of false humility, but today it is, it's all about us. Everything's about us, everything's about me. Everything you watch on television is all about that person and you watch reality shows, you know, it's, oh, I wanna see someone determined, you know, and it's super selfish. That stuff drives me crazy, by the way, but you know, you see this and people lift up uh, someone who's mean or who bullies other people and it's all about them, all about them. That's the society we're in, but we gotta recognize there's someone far, 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 far greater. Than us, far greater than us. And as Christians, as those who are bought by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, never forget whose we are and never forget that we need to humble ourselves when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we worship Him, when we uh, try to lift Him up, it can only happen when we try to comprehend the immense presence and the power of Almighty God. Knowing that God is God and you are not that's a great thing to remember every day. God is God and I am not. We always put ourselves in the place of God, don't we? Man, or we put someone else in the place of God. God is God and I am not. Recognizing that God is strong, I am weak. God understands things when I don't. He never fails, though I do. Recognizing that He is God. And we must approach the Lord in worship with humility, because in any other way, if we approach him in any other way, it's an exercise in futility. You can write that one down. Worship without humility is futility. <laughs> That's what it is. When we try to worship God in any other way except with a humble heart and a humble spirit, it's really pointless. You see the principle all throughout Scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 6, it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I want you to notice the idea of, of humility and then God does something. So humble yourself and he may exalt you. Psalm chapter 10 and verse number 17, it says, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. So there's a humility and then there's an understanding. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse uh, 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Notice there's always a blessing connected to humility. And when we humble ourselves and worship to God, we then have a potential to be lifted up, to be exalted, to have understanding from the Lord, not even, not, not necessarily in a human standpoint, but spiritually, God will encourage us and can lift us up. And the reason is, is that when we humble ourselves in worship, what we are doing is that we are connecting ourselves to the most powerful force on this earth, and that's God. You see what I'm saying? So when there's that humility, like all of these things, he says, humble yourself and you'll be exalted. Humble yourself and you'll hear. Humble yourself, humble yourself and all of these things will happen. The reason is when there's humility, there's connection to God. Because you're recognizing your actual place before him. And that's such a powerful thing. Remember, God is not uh, in heaven watching everything. I, I think sometimes we still feel that he is like a football game. You know, he's got like the cooler with the side, you know, or the, the the chair with the cooler in the side, you know, and he's all like, man, watching, you know, what's going on and hey, 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 you know, angels come here. <laughs> Did you see that? You know, and uh, w- watching all of these things and, and we have this sort of impersonal view of him, but listen, he's here right now. Amen. He's with us right now. Right. He's there with you at your workplace. He's there with you in your devotions. And when you finally can get into your mind that he is here all of the time humility is not as difficult humility is not as difficult sometimes we think oh if i humble myself then god will will show up he's he's there humility connects you to him and so we see these men when they came they fell down in worship to god and part of that worship was humility don't ever approach the word of god with the idea that you're gonna you're gonna figure something else out of, out of this you know what I'm saying I was reading uh, uh I was reading something just this week about a, a pastor and he he had the mentality when he first got saved he said when he first got became a Christian that he was going to be able to just go to the word and just pull everything out of it himself like he was going to you know figure out Christianity just by reading the Bible and you can learn a lot that way right But those of us who have the spirit of God, we understand there's a whole different element to understanding what the word of God says when you're led by the spirit, when you approach it in a spirit of humility. And then it's like, oh, now I get it. You ever had that happen? Oh, now I get it. That's the spirit of God working in you. And I believe the spirit of God can only work through a humble vessel, through a humble heart, recognizing that we need him to teach us. We need him to reveal to us his word. So these men, when they came here, they fell on the ground. They humbled themselves in worship. But they show us a fifth thing here in the passage in verse number 11. And number five, I want you to see that when it comes to worship, you've got to plan to give gifts. It's Christmas time. We can talk about gifts, right? It's the wise men. You're like, I could handle some gold right now, right? <laughs> Look at verse 11. So they, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child. They fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, so they fell down, there was some worship that took place. They opened their treasures. They presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now this is obviously probably the most famous aspect of the wise men, right? We think of the wise men and man, they brought these three gifts to to Jesus Christ. and, And by the way, the gifts is not an indicator as to how many there were, right? You know, often there's just, well, there were only three wise men. No, there was probably much more. There could have been as many as I won't say it because I don't know. But, you know, a lot. Let's just say that. I can't say for sure. So I'm not going to try to make a prophecy right now. But, you know, there could be a lot. Uh, I've heard people expecting maybe possibly even 100 with all of their entourage and everyone that's there to take care of them and their servants and all of these things. There would have been a lot of people. But they brought three gifts to the Christ child, and they gave it to him there. And these gifts, of course, are famous. And the reason they're famous is because they were a part of their worship. A part of their worship was giving gifts. The thing is this, when it comes to worship, worship is not just about taking in. Worship is also about giving out. Worship is about giving out, taking action. In worship, we all, all obviously, of course, we receive from God, but we also give back to God and we give back to others as well. To me, it's an aspect of worship that a lot of people do not uh, consider. Um, because often uh, we don't see giving as our worship, but the point is is that if our giving is from a pure heart, that's what it is. It is an aspect of worship. We are worshiping the Lord through our gifts. We worship the Lord uh, in our tithing to the local church. We worship Him in our offerings and special gifts. We worship God when we give and serve one another. We worship the Lord in giving our lives to His service. All of those are a part of worship For the Christian, for for parents, for those of us who are parents, Uh, listen, it's a part of your worship to God when you surrender your children to God. When you say, Lord, whatever you would have, whatever you want to do with my kids, Lord, that's an aspect of worship. We are worshiping God. We are giving him worth by putting him first, even above our children and our plans for our children. When you give your career choices to the Lord, that's an element of worship. When you say, God, uh, I'm right now, I'm in this, this line of work, and I love it, and I've been working hard for it, and you've led me to this place, but Lord, if you would have me do something else, I'm totally okay with it. That's an element of worship. We don't often connect giving as an aspect of worship because, and I think the big reason we don't connect it is because we view our gifts as worthless, right? It's like Christmas, and you have that one person on your list who has everything, Right? What do I buy the person who has everything? I would say that to my wife. You have me, you have everything, right? <laughs> I don't have a set of knives, no. <laughs> there's always something. There's always something that she needs, you know? Uh, but you know what I'm saying, right? Maybe there's someone in your family or someone you know, and you're like, man, they either have everything or they can buy anything they want. I don't, know what, I don't know what to give them. Here's what I've learned over the years when it comes to people like that in my life is that it isn't about the amount. It's not about, it's not about the value of the gift. You know what it comes down to? The fact that you actually thought of them. The fact that you put some effort into that gift. And it's the same way when it comes to our giving with the Lord. We think like, ah, oh, if I give, you know, it's like, it's nothing, you know? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm working part-time right now and my tithe doesn't add up to very much or, or whatever it may be. And we think, ah, oh, it's, it's really nothing to the Lord. But you know what? It's not about the fact of the amount it is. It's all about the fact that we're obeying him in that way that we are worshiping him through our gifts. I mean, there's great stories about that in the New Testament that you could, get, that you could obviously study out on your own. We've talked about before. Our giving, our missions gift is not going to blow God away. He's not going to be like, Gabriel, did you see? <laughs> you know, <laughs> did you see the tithe at City Baptist last Sunday? Or, or you know, did you? You understand what I'm saying, right? He, he's, not, he's, not, he's not doing that. What he sees is, man, look at how my people are worshiping me. Look at how they're they're obeying me. Look at how they're being faithful. Look how they're 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 expressing worship through giving. These wise men worship Jesus through their gifts. Now, it's interesting the gifts they chose. I want to give you just a quick thing because each of these gifts was sort of a, a foreshadow of what was to come. So the gold, right? They gave him gold. To us, that represents uh, that it was a gift for kings because Jesus is the king of kings and that's a very high-end gift. I've never had anyone give me gold before, I don't think. I would prefer like a bar, you know, but uh, rather than a necklace or something. But but I mean, that's a pretty cool gift, right? Gold. But it represents kings. It represents... Uh, Uh, It represents the fact that Jesus uh, is ultimately the king. And then they gave frankincense. Frankincense represents Jesus Christ as our high priest. Frankincense was something that was often... Um, that was used uh, during the sacrifices. It was a perfume, of course, in the picture there of it going up to Christ and being a sweet uh, smell in, in, uh, in God the Father's uh, nose and all of those things. And, and it represents to us the fact that Jesus is our priest. He's the bridge builder between us and God. He is the one that allows us to connect to God the Father through him. He's our stand-in for our sin before God. And that's what the frankincense represents. And then the myrrh recognized Jesus Christ as the Savior, recognized him as the Savior. It was a spice for embalming bodies. What a weird gift for a child. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, you're, you're turning two? Oh, I got you a custom coffin. You know, <laughs> seriously, that's kind of what it's like. And that's what they were doing. They brought us something that was used in embalming in death. And that to us, of course, is a picture of his death to come. The fact that he was born to die. He was born to die for us. He came to give his life for us. And these men expressed their worship to God through their giving. Recognizing in Christ what he has done for us. Worship always includes a gift in some way. Well, I want to show you lastly, this morning, our sixth one, when it comes to worship. And that is, worship should always follow with an obedient response. It should follow with an obedient response. Look at verse number 12. So they were there, they worshipped him in verse number 11. They gave him the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So remember, Herod at the very beginning had said to them, go and find this child, this king of the Jews, and then come back and tell me where he is so I can come and worship him. Remember that? With a sword, you know, like come and He was going to take care of him. He was a murderer. That guy, I mean, that guy was a, 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 he, was a he was a bad dude. And it says here that God came to them and warned them. He says, do not go back to Herod. And so guess what? They ended up changing their mind, changing their direction, and they went home in a completely different way. God came and spoke to these men and he warned them. And so they obeyed and they left in another way. Here's the thing. Obedience is a form of worship as well. We give worship to God through our obedience of him and of his word. Because of their worship, because of uh, him coming to them, and because of their obedience then their plan was changed. That's, That's so often how God works in our lives. When we give worth to him, when we worship him and put him above all else, he often changes the directions of our lives. He often changes the, the path that we are in. He often uh, makes a, a different path available to us that we never even thought was an option and we never maybe even considered. And when we obey God, he teaches, it happens all the time in church services. I'll just give you a quick couple of illustrations. You ever come to church before? Totally selfish. Be honest. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No, right? <laughs> have you ever come to church selfish before? I have. And I'm supposed to Preach. And I've come selfish before. Have you ever come to church selfish before and then you left thinking of others? Interesting, right? How that happens sometimes. You ever come to church worried and leave optimistic? That's my favorite part of church because <laughs> I often come worried and I leave optimistic. Have you ever come to church with a wrong attitude, leave church refreshed and full of faith before? You ever come to church focused on everything that is happening right now, but you leave focused on the future? And what God has for you? That ever happened to you before? Man, it happens to me all the time. Guess what? That's a change that takes place because of our worship. That's a change that takes place because of my obedience to God and to His Word and seeing what He's trying to teach us. That's what happens when we worship. We hope today's message was a help to your relationship with God. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will continue to do a unique work as you pursue His will for your life.